Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. So lately, I've been watching my boyfriend deal with a messed up laptop, which is less than a year old. First, he spent at least an hour on the phone with someone from Dell. Then he had to buy a USB drive for some software thing I couldn't really understand. Anyway, neither thing solved his problem. Finally, a Dell employee came to his house, and actually that didn't solve his problem either. So at this point, fixing his laptop has become so inconvenient that it feels like the only reasonable solution would be to just buy a new laptop. But this disposable culture doesn't have to be the norm. Well, there's so much stuff in our built environment that's easily fixable, and people don't even think that repair is possible. This year, a new right to repair law will go into effect in California, and that'll help make it easier for everyday people to fix their own stuff. Today, KQED reporter Azul Dahlstrom Ekman tells us about a growing right to repair movement and takes us inside one fix-it clinic in Redwood City. So I went to a fix-it clinic at the Redwood City Library. Walking in there, I mean, it's this really kind of fun environment. It's a little bit chaotic, but it's very high energy. Fix, 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 hooray, ready? Okay. Fix, 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 There's about a dozen and a half tables there, and they've got all sorts of appliances, electronics. Vacuums, fans, air purifiers. And they're sort of splayed open, and there's a fix-it coach, which is essentially a volunteer, alongside people who have brought these items in, and they're got their sleeves rolled up and they're digging in and they're trying to diagnose and uh, fix whatever's wrong with the thing. Fix-it clinics are sort of these pop-up events. They're facilitated by volunteers. And these volunteers are basically handy people who are down to spend a Saturday morning helping people fix their things. And the kind of people that are coming in are just everyday people and they have something, an appliance, an electronic, that they really like, but it's broken. Fix-it coaches are basically standing over your shoulder and, and telling you what to do 
and then the person who brings in the item is performing the repair mostly themselves. So it's really much more of an educational opportunity than just sort of a repair service. You mentioned this is primarily run by volunteers. Who exactly is is running these clinics? So Peter Mui started uh, Fix-It Clinic back in 2009. It's incumbent on us at this point in the planet to keep all of our durable goods in service, in place, as long as possible. Since then, it's, it's grown immensely. And now, this year, Fix-It Clinic has partnered with the San Mateo County Office of Sustainability to bring a Fix-It Clinic to a different San Mateo County library every month this year. And so is this your job? No, this is, this is a passion. No, Fix-It Clinic is a hobby of mine that's gotten way out of control. Well, I know you talked with some folks there who were there to get their stuff fixed. Can you tell me about Nancy Harris? Everyone say hi to Nancy and her bullet blender. (laughs) Yeah, so Nancy Harris lives in Moss Beach, which is about 25 miles away. It's on the coast. And she brought in this magic bullet blender. Something, and I'm so tired of buying a new one. I would love to fix this. All right. Let's see. I've worked on one of the bigger ones. This was actually the fourth magic bullet blender that she's owned. As she walked in, she was matched with this volunteer named Alex Schmidt. He wants to Let's take a look at it. Yeah. Okay. And Alex Schmidt lives in the county, works in software, says he likes to tinker. There was one of these that the tabs may have broken off. And it looks like they may be jammed. Oh. So, so uh, Nancy basically described the problem. When she plugs it in, the motor of the blender just starts whirring immediately. And she can't get it to turn off. When you've got it plugged in, it's supposed to not immediately start, but start when you put the top on and screw it and you're ready to go. This is, this Alex says, OK, well, let's, let's take a look. And within a few minutes, really, he diagnoses the problem. So now the question is, will it spin the way that you're having the issue with? Yes. And it will. Okay. You mentioned it leaks. Yes. So whatever, whatever leaked in there mm-hmm. has sort of gummed up these plastic elements that depress the switch on the bottom yes. to the point that they got stuck on the lower end. Mm-hmm. And so it was always on. Um, All of the gunk, all of the smoothie and coffee and all the things that Nancy Harris has blended over the past few years has sort of seeped down into this switch that activates the motor. So it was actually diagnosed really quickly and simply. And that would do it for you. But the big thing is cleaning. And I'm guessing we have some Q-tips and some alcohol that we can... Did she get it fixed? Yeah, so it took her and Alex Schmidt about an hour to fix the blender, and it did end up getting fixed. Basically, it just needed to be cleaned. They really just went in there with cotton swabs and rubbing alcohol and sort of freed up all the sticky stuff that was making the motor stuck in the on position. They even found like a small family of bugs living in the motor. So there's all these little discoveries that they make along the way. Well, what happened when Nancy and Alex got the magic bullet working again? As Nancy Harris walked out with her fixed working magic bullet blender, volunteers took the magic bullet blender, held it aloft and yelled, you know, magic bullet blender fixed. Nancy Harris 
She said she was overjoyed. We fixed something that had been broken and driving me crazy for at least a year and a half. It just saved me a lot of time and energy, and I learned how to fix it myself. You know, you could really see this, like, sort of contagious look of excitement and happiness mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of shared by the whole room when, you know, something gets fixed. So now it saves you, what, $100, $200 every couple of years when this happens again. I'm really, really, really happy about it. And I feel very empowered. <laughs> Coming up, how exactly have manufacturers made it harder for us to fix our own stuff? Stay with us. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. It does, for some reason, also feel like a thing of the past, like this idea that we as consumers can fix things ourselves. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking also about my partner's laptop, which he's been (laughs) trying to get fixed for like the past two weeks. And at this point, he's like, God, I should just buy a new laptop at this point. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is what's called a repair monopoly. Basically, a a manufacturer will, you know, not make their parts or tools or information necessary to repair their item accessible to consumers, basically forcing people to have to go to them to uh, get their thing repaired. Some companies will use like proprietary screw heads to put their devices together or they're not designed to be serviced. There's even something called parts pairing with electronics, where parts are paired to the serial number of your, say, computer. And if you put in a different part, it will throw an error code when, you know, you try to turn it back on. There's also this idea of planned obsolescence, right, where, you know, companies are basically making things to break because it's more profitable for them to sell you something new as opposed to have you repair it. 
So, you know, manufacturers make it harder to repair their things, which means that your local shop can't repair them. So then there's, you know, these shops go out of business and pretty soon the only place you can get the thing repaired is the company that made it. They can charge whatever they want. They can take as long as they want, or they can tell you it's not able to be repaired, even if maybe it is, and force you to buy a new one. Well, how then, Azul, have people actually tried to combat this disposable culture, this culture of buying new um, on a larger scale? Over the past decade, really, and earlier than that as well, we've started to see this rise of what's called the right to repair movement. And basically, in a nutshell, right to repair says, if you bought an item, you have the right to repair it. And tell me what that has looked like in California. So we're seeing a lot of people interested at the community level in repairing their own things, but it's actually translated into a movement in state governments to put this kind of legislation on the books. So here in California last year, there was a law passed, and it's basically a right to repair law. It goes into effect July 1st this year. And so it changed how manufacturers have to make repair accessible, basically, to the public. Right now, consumers in California are protected by this thing called the Song-Beverly Consumer Warranty Act. And basically that says that if a manufacturer makes an implied or expressed warranty on a product, then they need to make the parts, tools, and information necessary to repair that item available for a certain amount of years after the last model is produced, depending on how much that item costs. This new California law is really moving that forward. So this California law applies to appliances and electronics, and it basically says that if an item costs between $50 and $99.99, then the manufacturer has to make the parts, tools, and information necessary to repair that item available for three years after the last production date of the model. If that item is more than $99.99, then the manufacturer needs to make the parts, tools, and information available for seven years after the last production date. There's a lot of hope in the right to repair movement that with a state like California passing a right to repair law, that it's really going to build momentum in the in the nationwide right to repair movement. And we're starting to see that this year so far, 24 states are considering right to repair legislation. And that's just at the last count. So it sounds like this law is really about giving people the tools to fix things themselves. Was there any pushback? on this law? Yeah, I mean, right to repair gets a lot of pushback, and it's mostly from, you know, big electronics companies like Apple. And then you have ag equipment companies like John Deere have historically pushed back against right to repair legislation. Apple lobbied heavily against this law and then came on in support of it at the last second when they saw that it had basically uh, a guaranteed chance of passing or that it was going to pass. Coming back to the Fix-It clinic that you went to in Redwood City, 
I imagine we're going to see more of these kinds of clinics、um, in other cities. It seems like there's already a lot of interest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. The San Mateo County Office of Sustainability is partnering with the library system there to bring a different fix it clinic every month to different libraries in the county. Fix it clinic also has a presence on, on the, the social platform Discord. We have hundreds of members on that platform, and the founder of Fix It Clinic, Peter Mui, actually told me that they have people in Africa or Europe and spread out all throughout the United States. So, we basically, during the pandemic, launched a Global Fixers server on Discord that allowed us to extend repair to anybody on the planet who has an internet connection and can get on Discord. I spoke with a representative from the San Mateo County Office of Sustainability, and she said that basically their demand is far exceeding capacity. There's a ton of interest in these kinds of events throughout San Mateo County, and as we're seeing sort of throughout. The nation and the world at this point. Why do you think that is? I think, as, as humans, really, we have this natural inclination to want to fix things. Peter Mui would say that we are repairers at heart. Because when the thing starts working again and they're the ones who fixed it, you know, it's like Easter. You know, it's, it's, really, it's a really wonderful feeling that we don't want to deprive anybody of. You want to empower these people to be able to repair stuff. I mean, personally, you know, I, I used to have an old pickup truck and I actually replaced the clutch on my pickup truck one time. And I went to my mechanic friend and told him about the experience. And he said, you know, that, that's a feeling you can't buy. Azul, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was Azul Dahlstrom Ekman, a reporter for KQED. This 25 minute conversation with Azul was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Alan Montesilio is our senior editor. He scored this episode and added all the tape. Music courtesy of First Com Music and Blue Dot Sessions. The Bay is a production of listener supported KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Peace. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 